I'm truly beyond excited to share some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning. I believe that they are going to be, at least for us as a community, extremely important. And let me tell you why. Because I have the opportunity to, to speak with many of you in this room on a one-on-one basis. And especially I get to spend time with the guys. And one thing that I have found is the struggle to remain in what we know to be true. And what I mean by that is, oh man, Justin, I, I know it. I just can't seem to watch it play out the way that I want it to play out inside my life. And so we get moved quite a bit very easily by circumstances and by people and by so many different things. And so when I talk about these things on a one-on-one basis, many times I hear these words back, but this person or but this circumstance. And so I hope today to encourage you and to help you understand how to stay where God has you. That you're not moved by the things that are going on in this world. It is a possibility to do so. I want to start off by reading a passage uh, Jackson, I think you're back there. Um, it's going to be 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. The series that we're going to begin for the next couple of weeks is called The Good Fights. And we're going to get a little bit into what that means. But Timothy writes these words and he says, Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and you have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're going to spend some time today of what that looks like to fight the good fight of faith. Carrying over a little bit from what we talked about last week about don't settle. I truly believe in this room, all of us are on a journey. And we're on a journey of faith and of trust with our Heavenly Father. Each of us are. And what that means is that God is growing us. He's developing us. He's causing us to learn what this means to truly trust him there's a question that even tim jordan and i were talking about this past week is i used to hear the question do you trust god and how many times if you ever had that question asked to you or came around in your mind you always felt like you felt short of trusting god anybody ever ever feel like you fell short of truly trusting him the way that he should be trusted and the question that god began to show me differently was justin instead of do you it's will you This is one of an invitation of saying, Justin, I'm going to take you on a journey. I have a plan and I have a purpose for you, one that I won't fully reveal to you, but will you trust me every step of the way? And it says, I begin to hear that question. I begin to easily or more readily begin to say, yes, Lord, I will trust you. And as I mentioned many times before, and I hope you don't grow weary in hearing it, this journey that we are on is not one of destination, This is extremely important to understand when it comes to God because we think God is taking us here, that the promised land is the primary uh, importance of the journey that he has us on. Like we're going to the promised land, will you start walking in those things? And I want to assure you that the destination is not his primary intention for us. The primary intention of God is our development and our transformation. He wants us to look more like Christ. 
and he'll do what he needs to do to grow us into who we already are. So we're not trying to get there. I'm not trying to get to be a man of God. I'm not trying to get to be more pure and more righteous and more holy and more this. No, he said that's who I am right now. He's placed me in Christ and now he's developing me and he's growing me into who I already am. And he's growing us individually and collectively into his people, into his bride. I can imagine Jesus, without being too sarcastic, going, I don't think I'm ready to marry that. <laughs> like, we're engaged, but let's not fully commit until they look a little bit prettier. And, and I say that jokingly, but I realize that God is forming all of us collectively into his people and into his bride, who are called by his name, to represent him wherever we go. Each and every one of you, if I could look you in the eye and just let you know, you are an ambassador, a representative of Jesus Christ on this earth. That Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he left us to represent him and has given us his spirits. That we are called to represent him wherever we go. And I hope some of you are growing more courageous and praying for people and loving on people and, and sharing the good news of Christ. And some of you aren't there yet. And some of you vow that you'll never be there. And I want to encourage you as I continue to call, call you up into who you are, that one day you're going to find yourself seeing somebody over there in the corner of a, a restaurant and going, God goes, it's time to go pray for them. And that there will be some courageous moment inside that you have and go, you know what? I can do this because I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God. And he has given me his spirit and the power of God lives on the inside of me to go lay hands upon that person and watch what will happen. And so this is a journey that we're on of discovery and intimacy, of discovering who he is for us and who we are to him and now becoming more and more intimate with our father, allowing who and what he has done for us to now invite us to a more intimate relationship with him. This journey is not to prove something to God. He is not asking you to prove your love, to prove how much you trust him, to prove how good you are as a Christian, to prove how faithful you are to him. He is saying this, I want you to know me. I want you to discover who I am, who I made you to be, and now let's walk this journey of development and transformation, and you're not out to prove something to God, because many times, when we're out to prove something, we always seem to fall short in our own right mind. And in this room, I truly wanna, I wanna get this across and I don't mean this to blow smoke up, you, uh, up, up your dress or up your pants. I don't know what the saying fully is, but I don't wanna go there. Is that in this room, there are only winners. And there are only those who are victors and there are only those who are overcomers. There is nobody else in this room that is not a winner, that is not a victor, that is not already an overcomer. And you can easily, you can easily look in the mirror. You could easily write down things that you could fix, things that you could adjust, things that you could change in your life to prove, Justin, that's not yet true. And when you finally fully realize that Jesus looks at you and he goes, you are a winner, you are a victor, and you are an overcomer, and it's by that very statement that you become that, everything changes. When I wake up, I wake up as one who has already won. 
I wake up as one who is already a victor over the things that I might be struggling with. I wake up already as one who is an overcomer of the very things that are overcoming me. And so it's easy to look at what we're facing, to look at how the pressure has defined us and go, you know what? But that's not true about me. And how easy it is to get moved off of Man, I believe God is going good. God is good, man. Things are going well. And then guess what happens? Somebody gives you a, a sheet one day and says, I'm sorry, we have to let you go from your job. And what happens to the person? They now become defined by that. And what happens is they start to go into freak out worry mode and they go, man, I'm laid off. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how we're gonna what? Pay for the bills. And they start now, they start now living their life completely reacting to a different set of understandings than what Jesus has already said. Are you, are you following along with me so far? Is that there's only winners, only victors, and only overcomers when it comes to who you are in Christ Jesus. That not one person in this room is at a disadvantage in the kingdom of God. That means there's not one person at a disadvantage, no matter what you've been diagnosed with in terms of, hey, this person is autistic or this person is slow here or this person is never gonna be able to do this or this person comes from this social background or this person comes from this ethnic background. And so we look at that, we go, well, I'm at a disadvantage because of, and God goes, no, 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 I've given you all of my favor. I've given you everything that you need to succeed in what I've called you to be. Not one person in this room is at a disadvantage in the kingdom of God. So there's not an insecurity that any of us have to receive and go, you know what? I don't know if I could ever do that because I just don't speak well. Or I don't know if I could ever do that because I just don't socialize with people well. Or I don't know if I could ever do that because I'm just not wired that way. So what happens is we live with these disadvantages and they, they become who we are. I'm building upon something for a specific reason. Is that each and every one of us have a purpose that comes from God. And that purpose comes with the grace to empower you to do what God has called you to do. And he has already, already set you up to succeed at what he's called you to do. He's already said, I've already gone before you. I've already prepared a way. There's already a pathway of where I'm going to take you. Every step of the way, I will be with you every step of the way. In Galatians chapter 3, verse number 11, you can put that on the screen. It says these words, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. That just means that the law, the righteous standard of God, justifies no one. That God cannot see somebody justified because they live right. And it says, for the just shall live by what? This good fight of faith that we're talking about, Paul is reminding us that the way that you live this life is by faith. But all of us have been trained. We've been homeschooled as we grew up. Our parents taught it. The world taught it. Education teaches it. Everybody teaches us. This is how you live. You live by how you feel. And you live by what you see. Close. I think. Did you say see? Good job. The lights are blinding me from hearing you well. And so we are called to live by faith that's what we're called to live by that's how we live we are the just and we are called to live by faith that means that we live differently not in action but in perspective from everybody else 
So the way that you've been trained, and now I'm gonna say a statement. If you have any challenge with it, please feel free to talk with me, but I believe this to be very, very true, is that when you go, well, this is just the way that I feel about this, or this is just how, these, this is who I am, these are my emotions, where did you get those emotions from? Now think about that. You were trained to feel a ter- certain way toward everything in life. You were homeschooled before you got into Christ. And he says, when you become a new creation, all things are what? Is that true when it comes to your emotions? And sometimes we look at our emotions and we go, that's the real me. This is just how I am. This is just who I am. And so because I feel this way, therefore I am this way. And I just want to encourage you that there's a new way of seeing, there's a new way of believing, there's a new way of living this life, and it's called the just shall live by faith. That means we no longer have allowance or the permission to live by what you see or to live by how you feel. It doesn't mean you shouldn't feel. It doesn't mean you can't see what is actually in front of you. We're not denying that and we're not denying how we feel. He says, now I've given you a new realm by which you live, which is called faith. And so when we are walking by faith, it produces something, but not things, but something intangible. I wanna make this statement and it's for very specific people in this room. Stop believing God for things. Let me tell you why. When you get your eyes fixated on the treasures of this life, you miss something that he has for you which is way far greater. And sometimes we want something from God and we get so fixated on God, bring me this, bring me this, bring me this. And we put all of our faith and all of our energy into believing God for him to bring us something that we feel like would make us better or happier or or just more comfortable in this life. And we now get distracted from what is the truth of the goodness that God has already given. It's called the riches of the kingdom of God. And when we get sidetracked, which it has happened probably to every single person in this room, whether you're in business, whether you're in marriage, you want, you them, you want God to do what? Make my spouse better. <laughs> you're in business, make my business. You're in a home, make my house bigger. You're in a car, make my car have a different emblem on it, right? <laughs> you have kids, yeah, make my kids Disappear, I'm just joking. (laughs) Make my kids different. And so what happens is we get so fixated on believing God for something that's gonna make our life better. And I want you to kind of begin to put your faith, the good fight of faith is not about what you can believe God for. It's about producing something of greater value on the inside of us. It's believing what is already yours. I know that sounds weird, but we're believing for what is already ours. Think about it for just a moment that it's already yours. And now you're just receiving from the Father. That's the fight that we're talking about. Faith, when active, it produces something. And what does it produce? It may not produce a bigger house, but I can tell you this. It produces a joy that is not moved by circumstances. Now this is, this, I don't even know how to communicate how serious this is to me because we are so moved by what we, 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 we see. 
Like it, it moves us, it shocks us to the core. And one of the things I know the Lord's gonna set people free today is this discouragement that it comes like this and it goes in waves of people who are just happy one day and discouraged the next day. And so this faith, when you're standing in this faith, when you're living by faith, what, how do you know you're living by faith? Joy in the midst of circumstances. And so when you're living by faith, my prayer no longer is God. Man, I'm going through the valley. Lord, can you help me get out of the valley? No, it's not like that. The valley is not even the object of my prayer to God anymore. Are you catching this so far? My, when I'm living by f- faith, the prayer is no longer about the valley. It almost doesn't even get talked about with God. It, so my wife doesn't get talked about with God. She used to. She's not here today. And so my prayer now is totally different because it's not about the valley. It's, Father, I thank you for every single upgrade that you possibly have for me in this valley. I know that these are moments, and I was uh, sharing with my sister the other day because I heard probably three or four people reiterated over and over to her um, and, and bless their hearts, but I completely disagree. She threw out her back a couple times in the last couple weeks and they say, well, the Lord is just teaching you a big lesson on that you need to let, it breaks my heart too and I reiterate it, but they told her, I mean, I heard it, I heard it and, and I even heard somebody go, isn't that true, Justin? The Lord's just teaching her that she needs to let people serve her. And I'm like, you know what? That's not my father. I can tell you this, is that he reveals things in the valley. He doesn't teach you a lesson about what you need to fix about yourself. This is important because what he's revealing is now that's gonna be important to my sister. Who is God revealing himself to her? Because that will transform her so that maybe, yeah, maybe she does need to put down the Martha and be, we're talking about my sister like she's not even here. You know, because Martha served and Mary was at the feet of Jesus, but that is not, Jesus is not into a, uh, you need to learn this lesson, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. No, I'm gonna reveal who I am to you. And it's when you catch who I am, lesson learned. Upgrade is received. So when, when I'm walking by faith, there's this joy that is not moved. So I'm not going into the present. And if you do, no condemnation. We're all learning how to do this. I'm not going in there completely discouraged. If I am, He's gonna upgrade me to see something differently. He is not gonna pet that discouragement and and he'll comfort it, he'll love it, and that's what he does, but he wants you to receive a new perspective so that you're not discouraged because he's not discouraged and he's not discouraged about you too. Can I get an amen? amen? And so when faith is active, it actually produces not just a joy, it produces a peace that is not moved when it sees the wind and it sees the destruction that some of the wind can cause. You know how fear creeps in, doesn't it? Yeah. Is you start to see, oh, it's coming. Oh my goodness! It, and 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 we project it. it we go. We we even play it out, going, all right. So if it's bad today, it's going to get worse tomorrow. And I'm sure with my sister, that's what she was sharing with me. That's what we've all faced. Your back starts to hurt. What what? Guess what goes to your mind? Well, one month it's probably going to be this, and then when you're 45 and then when you're 50 then when you're 60 and so what happens is you're now projecting yourself all the way to 60 going I'm not I'm going to be in a walker by the time that I'm 60 right so what happens is we, we we've moved out of this 
We're no longer living by faith. We're now just trying to figure out, how am I going to live with my back always bad? No, faith says, you know what, God, I, I thank you that you revealed that you're a healer to me. But before then, Father, I thank you for a peace that I only can receive from the Prince of Peace. That even though it's windy, even though I know my back hurts, and even though I, I know I'm struggling to believe, Father God, I thank you that I can just receive who you are in this moment. And now what happens is peace starts to rise up on the inside of you. And you start to learn that, oh, wow, it doesn't have anything to do about the winds. It's about first, Jesus was asleep and then he dealt with the winds. He didn't deal with the winds and then go to sleep. Got the other thing around. He slept while it was windy and then he put them to stillness. And I think the same thing is true with us. He wants us to learn, hey, you can sleep no matter what the situation is in complete and total peace. In a faith that is active, it causes you to overcome fear. I faced a fear when I was in Niagara Falls. I was forced to. I hated it, actually, every minute of it. But I was like, Lord, if I'm going to do this, go down this zip line over the net. All the, I, hate, I just don't like any of that stuff. And I was on a zip line with my 10-year-old daughter who was loving every moment of me not enjoying the moment. And, uh, but I, 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 I laugh because it was a moment for me of going, Justin, you're actually scared. And you teach people to what? Receive peace when you're fearful. And I did that. Every step I took, as we got higher and higher and higher and a little too high, I just kept on saying, Father, I receive that this little small thing that I'm fearful of is not going to ever carry over to other areas of my life. And that, Father, God, I'll face it. And I'll face it trusting you that I, I, if I die, I die. I go to heaven. But <laughs> I was probably really wavering. But... Uh, it was really, really enjoyable. But what happens is when anxiousness comes, and I know I share a lot about my buddy Dioni, but he shared another example with me. He goes, Justin, when you're anxious, you guys are going to love this. When he shared it with me, I was like, wow, that makes total sense. When you're anxious and you're fearful and you're discouraged and you're disappointed, it's just like your natural body going, I'm hungry. So your spirit is hungry. And what do you do? Do you go and call somebody and go, oh my gosh, I am so hungry. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, I just don't even have a clue. I am so hungry. And I, I don't mean to be joking like that, but it's the truth. He said, what do you do? You go in the refrigerator, you grab something, and you satisfy the hunger. Spiritually, when you're, when you're hungry for what you need, so there's anxiousness, there's fear, there's disappointment, and there's discouragement. We want to go to God and ask him to fix that. No, just go and eat of, of the word or eat of his presence. And those things, what? They go away. Like you don't have to come up with some master plan on how to get rid of your hunger. Just go eat. And it's the same way that he said when you are like that, Justin, it means that your spirit needs to feed on something. I was like, that is, that's really good. And so discouragement wasn't like, why am I so discouraged? <laughs> you don't freak out when you're hungry. Like, oh, it's coming again. I'm every three or four hours, it's gonna happen. Um, and so it's not like, man, I'm, and what do we do? But think about this. We call people or we tell people, I'm so what? Discouraged. Or I'm so disappointed. I mean, 
Just go eat first and then have conversations and watch the difference. Because David said, finally, when I walked into your presence, oh, I saw everything differently. My lens completely shifted. And so my faith is grounded. Now, this is another important statement. I, I, I want to make sure I, I'm clear about it. My faith is grounded or it's anchored by God's love for me. So where is your faith anchored? It's not anchored in the promise of God. It's not anchored in that everything's going to be okay. It's anchored in what? His love for you. That's where I'm completely 100% secure that because he loves me, I can put my faith in that's the only thing I can. You can't put your faith, has anybody ever tried to put your faith in a bank account? Yeah. Have you ever tried that? And it, it just doesn't seem, I remember there was a, there was a minister, he, um, uh, I, I don't know him personally, but he shared a story. He had acquired, he's like seven years old, he had acquired over all those years $1.7 million in his account. He had a number in his head. Now think about this. He was fearful, but he wanted to get to a 2.4 so that he could be good for retirement. How many of us think like that, right? Like this will be good for then. So he had it all played out. She was good. She was happy because it was in there and he was secure because it was growing. And then, but he was always nervous. Now think about this. He was always fearful he was gonna lose it. So it never satisfied that. He always just saw the number in there. He's like, okay, this seems to be good. It can get a little bit higher, but he was all, always fearful that he's gonna lose that account. And then one day something happened. I don't know if it was in the stocks or whatever. He lost $1.7 million. And you know what happened? He was actually at more peace without it. Now she was freaking out, okay? That's a... <laughs> We don't even go there. Let's deal with my side of the gender. But he was completely at peace because he no longer was fearful he's going to miss it because it wasn't there anymore. And he said he learned a valuable lesson at that time is that his trust is completely upon one source alone. That money is not a source of peace for anything. It may appear that way. It may lie to you. But Proverbs says something very interesting. Solomon says money has wings. And unless you can zipper up your pocket, <laughs> it's gone. It's going to fly away and it's going to go to somebody else's pocket eventually. And I only say that because it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a little money, our source is never that. Our source of peace is never that. And so this faith being grounded and the anchored in God's love for me, it always translates in a rest of my soul. So when my soul is not at rest when worry is constantly plaguing my mind and I'm overwhelmed by the pressure and the stress of life and I feel like I'm ready to break or we make these statements, I just can't, what, take it anymore. God, I just can't do this. God, I just can't handle this. It's at that point where I realize and I, we just have to be honest about it, I'm not living here. It doesn't mean that you don't figure out how to fix it. It doesn't mean you don't go and get a job. It means that I'm just not actually living by faith. Why? Because my soul is not at rest. It's an indicator of something. And so today, today you're like, oh, today we've already been preaching for this entire time. I'm going to dive into a side of life that is vital to your growth in Christ. And to walking in the very things that are already yours. 
I want to repeat that. They are already yours. You do not have to ask God for peace. The Prince of Peace lives on the inside of you. You don't have to ask God for joy in the situation or for God to give you this. It is something that has already been freely given to you. Everything is spread on the table. And he says, come and enjoy it like at a banquet, whatever you want. And some of us are like, I'm good, I'm good. This cracker and cheese is delicious. I'm good. Like, and we don't want to either receive or we don't want to approach or we don't feel like we're worthy or we feel like, you know what, the crumbs are good enough. And it's like we just are not ready to fully partake of the fullness of God. When I wake up, I want all the joy I could need for that one day. Like I'm in receiving mode and it took me 15 years to get to that. Like 16 years to, you guys are like, oh dear Lord, I have 15 more years to go. <laughs> no, because I wasn't taught this. To even discover the idea of receiving like this, it was year upon year upon year of saying, God, I'll transact with you all day long. I do this, you do this. I do this, you do this. God, watch me perform for you. And at the end of the day, I hope I feel better with you. And at the end of the day, it's not the case. It's full receiving more. When I wake up, Father, I want all the joy you have to me because I know today has trouble of its own. You've already promised me that. You've already promised the righteous would have great affliction, but I thank you that you'll deliver me. So Father, in the midst of whatever I face, whatever news I'm gonna hear today, I thank you that I have joy. And I just receive it this morning. And Father God, I don't know how it's gonna play out. Amen. But I also know this, but God, I thank you for your favor and I receive that too. So you're guiding my steps. And Father, if you by so happen to be able to miss or help me to, to miss out on something that the devil had in plan, I thank you for your favor that protects me. And now what happens is I'm standing in faith. I'm holding on to who I already am and to what I've already been given on the inside of me. I'm not moved by what I see. So bad news during the day, I know it may come. I'm not anticipating it. I'm not like, oh, when's it going to come? Where's it going to come? Where's it going to come? Oh, no, that's not it. No, I know. Hey, it may come. It may come from Sarah. It may come from my, 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 uh, my daughters. It may come from a bank. It may come from wherever. But I'll be ready for what? Not the news. I'll be ready to stand. Amen. In a place that the just shall live by what? Faith. Amen? Amen. So... Imagine a life for a moment through the eyes of Jesus. He was a man that didn't worry. He didn't freak out when negativity hit his life. And he was one that was not moved by the accusations or the hurts of others. In 1 John 4, 17, it says this, and this is just the second part of the verse. It should be on the screen. Is it, Jax? All right, he fell asleep back there. It may not be on the screen. All right, <laughs> it's okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. All right, because as he is, so are we in this world. First John four seventeen. because as he is, because as who is? Jesus, so are you in this world. Do you believe that? Like really, do you believe that? Like that's, that's a statement to behold. Like as he is, so are you in this world. John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you, where is he at? He's in you, is greater than he who is in this world. 
So what is faith? I've said it before a number of months ago. I want to repeat. Faith is responding. Faith is never initiating. You are not trying to get God to do something. You are not trying to get something from God. Faith is already responding or it's always responding to who God is. And I love this, uh, this statement. I, I, I wrote this about five years ago, but I believe it to be just as true today as it was then, is that, um, and this can go on the screen too if you're back there, Jackson. There it is. He's up, he's up, he's back. Uh, faith is responding to what God has said to us and to what Jesus did for us. Somebody please, if you can shout out something that you're facing, a challenge, a pressure, an obstacle. Okay, keep on going. We're gonna get there. Like, a, like something that, no, like a circumstance. Don't name the, what it's doing to you. Name the circumstance. All right, student loans. And I just, want, I just want you to see this on a practical level. Student loans produce what? Ultimately, maybe anxiety. Ultimately, mainly, or could produce worry or could produce, God, well, how are you gonna come through? Or we're gonna find a way to um, seek after money rather than seek after God. That easily happens. So when I'm the just shall live by faith, what is it? I'm responding to what God said. If I'm Scotty and I have some student loans, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna search the scripture and say, God, what did you say about you being my provider? And what did you say about you meeting my needs? And so now what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up to live by what? Faith, why? Because faith is responding. I'm not trying to get him to pay for my loans. I don't believe God for things. What am I doing? I'm trying to respond to who he already is and to what he's already said inside of my life. Are you following me so far? And so if I'm Scotty, I'm gonna go, okay, God, what, has you, what have you spoken to me? And then I'm gonna also look at this. God, if he called me into ministry because ministry is not the most financial beneficial route to go, right? So I have student loans, but he's called me into ministry. That's also something he said to me. So I'm gonna respond. And the easiest or the best route is to what? Go make more money so you can pay that off. But what if God said, I have something for you this direction? So I'm responding now. My whole life is living in response to something that God said and to what? Jesus did for me. Are you catching this? So what did Jesus do for me? He died on the cross and he died so that I could be placed into Christ. So the worry that I have and the care that I have, I just give it right back to God because it's not what Jesus died for me. He died so I could have peace and I could have joy and I could have his mercy and I could have his grace and I could have his righteousness and then I'm his son of God. No longer am I a, an orphan who's trying to find his way to meet his own needs. I now have a father. And so that's what Jesus provided for me is now a relationship with the Father who's going to take care of me. And so what did he say? He said in Philippians chapter four that I'm gonna meet your needs. So how do I respond? If, if, if somebody promised, somebody came up to Scotty and goes, Scott, I just want you to, uh, don't worry about your student loans. I'm gonna take care of them. How would he respond? Yep, hallelujah, gratitude. He would be at a place of what? Rest. Why? Because he's responding to the person that he believes is trustworthy enough that says, I'm going to take care of your needs. And what's the question we want to ask that person? Yep. <laughs> How and? Yep. The two questions you should never ask, they're faith killers. How are you going to do it, God? And when are you going to do it? And he'll be like, oh, let me tell you. Um, 
That's for me to know and you to what? Find out. That's where it originated in the Bible. You heard it here. <laughs> so faith is responding to what God has said to us and to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. I'll take my own example when it comes to our, our little daughter, Summer Rain. She had a, she's not here today, but she had a rough night, man. We pulled off one of her pods. Breaks my heart. And it wouldn't stop. It just squirted blood. Like there's a hole in her stomach and it just kept on, it was the weirdest thing. And she got so scared that it wouldn't stop. We just had to keep it there. And every time we took it off, there's like a little faucet of blood that was just coming in the little hole. So she eventually went to bed. She slept with Sarah last night. I slept in her room, but it was like, man, I mean, you just watch your daughter go through that, but I'm not going to I'm of course gonna comfort her and I'm gonna love her, but at the end of the day, I, wanna, I want this girl, once she discovers who Jesus really is, I want her to know, man, this is a life of faith. Right. And it means, okay, yes, that you, my daughter has diabetes. I know that. And I know that it's something that she asked the doctor when she was seven years old. Uh, have you ever seen somebody heal the diabetes? And the doctor, of course, in his own gracious way said, no, I've never seen that before ever. And so now we get to walk by faith. Sarah does, and I do, and I can't walk by faith for Sarah, and she can't walk by faith for me, and I can't walk by faith for Summer. And so it's faith is what? Responding to what God said. What did he say? I'm your comforter. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna take care of you guys. I'm your provider. I'm your protector. I'm your deliverer. Okay, so I'm gonna respond to his goodness. And then I'm gonna respond to what did Jesus do for her? He said, by my stripes, she is What? Okay, so I'm going to respond to that because that then becomes more real and I'm going to now learn how to walk by this. No one's going to do this perfectly. You're going to freak out when you hear bad news later today and then you might hear my little voice and go, faith is responding to what God said. And, and then you're like, oh, shut up. And so what happens is the question at the end of the day, how do you know you're walking by faith? What are you responding to? Are you responding to what you see in fear and anxiousness and worry? Or are you responding in rest and going, God, you're always good. You always have our best in mind. And you're always setting me to, up to succeed in what you've called me to do. And so instead of those bracelets, what would Jesus do? I remember John Walsh used to carry one of those or had them had him on in, uh, in high school. But what would Jesus do? It was, or it should be, what did Jesus do? What did he do for me? And that's what I'm responding to. I now live every single day of my life, not perfectly. Carl knows that. I, I get mad when he beats me in cards, so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> perfect at that. Um, but faith is responding now every moment to something he already said and to already, so he's already done it. Now I'm just responding. I'm coming in alignment with my father. So if he said he's going to take care of my needs, okay, you can freak out if you want, but you're not walking by faith. And when you get back, and I love this about, and we're not, let me just get there. I'm working on this. Tony, where's Tony at? Are right, you turn back there, Tony? Am I good, Tony? All right. So faith is a perspective you live from. It's living from heaven's view of where you're going and where you're at. It's when you walk by faith that you don't know how to look anywhere else. You don't know how to look at your circumstances and go, circumstances, what, how should I act? You no, longer, you no longer know how to do, it's no longer natural. When you're homeschooled by the way of the world, yes, you're always taught, if somebody hurts you, oh man, you, shouldn't, you should be hurt. 
that boss said that to you, oh, you know what, screw your boss. That's how you're taught. But when you go into the kingdom, he goes, I want to show you a different way. I want you to respond not to your boss. Respond to the gospel of how I see your boss. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and he was talking about, of course, his wife. Um, and it wasn't a good conversation. And I said, okay, I have a question for you. What would be different in your response if you extended her the gospel of Christ and Jesus at this moment? Would you feel differently if you knew how he felt toward her? And it just put the conversation in the tracks. Like it just stopped. And it caused him to now realize it's not about her. It's not about your boss. It's not about your job. It's not about summer's sickness. It's not about any of that. It's about in the midst of this, he's given us as believers the ability to walk a life of faith. That to me is amazing. And it's not pretending. I'm not pretending that 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 doesn't, you see tears in my eyes when I talk about Summer, when I watch the girl scream because she's fearful of why this is happening and you don't have answers for her, for her. All you can just do is comfort her and then go back to the presence of God and going, God, think about this, guys. You're so good. God, I know you always have her best in mind. And you're setting that girl up to do something special for your kingdom. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you are so good. And what happened is the enemy was irrelevant in this whole discussion. I didn't have to fight with him about anything. I just had to stand my ground in who I already was and who God was for me. So faith is what? It's embracing him as the author and the perfecter of your faith. It's holding on. It's standing firm in what? How your father sees life. It's resting in the stunning realization of how God really sees us and not how we see ourselves. It's a response that arises out of a relationship with God of knowing his heart. Faith is knowing that God is always good and always has our best in mind and he's always helping us to succeed. And now I'm responding accordingly. I'm gonna respond to his goodness, not to what I don't see. Like Ryan said, it may not all be good that we see, but he's always good. So faith is a readiness, it's a preparedness of my heart to receive all that Christ has already con- uh, accomplished for us. We're not trying to have faith. <laughs> please, please put that to the side. God, I'm just trying to have faith. No, faith is a relational thing. Know him and faith will arise. It's just like you have with somebody you trust. You give them 10 bucks and they'll say, I'll pay you back. You say, man, take care of any time, whatever it is. Why? Because you trust him. If he said he's going to pay it back, he's going to pay it back. So I'm not trying to have faith. Faith's the result of knowing my father. And faith doesn't come because I have a pressing need. That's called desperation. I don't bring my pressing needs to God. Now think about that for a moment. And I know I'm throwing some things at you that are just so maybe contrary to how you've known it. But I'm not bringing my need to God. Who am I bringing? Me. I'm bringing me to God so that when I deal with the thing that I'm needing, I deal with it from his perspective. If I bring my need to God, the object of my time with God is who? The need. And so this is controlling me and him. When my need is over here because it's irrelevant in my relationship, I go to him and say, Father, help me to see things the way that you see them. Help me to love that person the way that you love them. 
Help me to forgive those people the way that you have forgiven them so freely. Father, I receive your love and your forgiveness and your grace so now I can go back to the need and that need no longer moves me. I now actually can give that need what God gave me. Are you catching that? So the need, I'm no longer need-based with God. So the Christian life was never promised. Tony, give me four minutes, okay? <laughs> the Christian life was never promised as an easy journey. We are going against the current of life. I have a picture on there. Jackson, what's the first picture? <laughs> like the first one, the first picture on there. What is it? All right, this one. This is, this is me in my mom's pool with all my nephews and, and nieces. This is Nico. This is Gianni crying about what I did. And this is Zoe laughing at Nico for getting thrown off. But anyways, I want you to see this picture for a moment. And me and Christy talked about this yesterday on the phone. Is at the end of the day, what faith is, is standing in this grace right here. This is the only place that you want to be. I don't want to fight somebody in the water. That's where the enemy wants to lure me. I am now standing in this place of faith and I'm doing everything I can do to what? To stand. And so we are called to fight the good fight of what? Faith does not eliminate the fight. Sometimes we think if I just had more faith, I wouldn't have such a struggle. <laughs> Get ready. The more faith you have, the more struggle it's going to come, you know? And so faith is... is, is is now fighting from a new perspective. That word fight actually comes from the Greek word name or from agon. It means agony or to agonize, which means to experience what? Pain. It also means to strain, to toil, to suffer extreme pain of the body. And so when you fight the good fight of faith, is it easy? No. No one said it was. This is what I'm, what I'm showing you that I do by receiving. It's not easy. I cry many times receiving from God because of the pressure, because of how hard it is, how, whether or not, man, will Sarah and I remain? Will our daughter do this? Will we have this? And it, the pressure's strong. We all face it. Like you can face the pressure or you can feel it. And so Paul is telling Timothy in this verse, he's saying that you must agonize like an athlete or like a soldier straining and giving all that you have to win the battle that you're facing. Why is it a good fight? Because it's a worthy fight. That if you don't give in, guess what? You stand in a place where you honor God, that you believed him. And that it takes great pleasure, God does, in us standing what we're, we're supposed to stand in. Why was David versus a Goliath a good fight? Because it was a worthy one. And it was one that David was gonna win because God was on his side, amen? All right, man, I'm, you know what? I'm going to keep on going. Okay. Uh, Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians uh, go to the Ephesians 6.11. I really want to make sure. No, 6.11. I think it's on there. 6.11 through 14. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? All right. Say it stronger. Against the wiles of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to. And the evil one and the evil day. Having done all to. Stand. Therefore. This is the name of the game right here when it comes to faith is will you stand? 
Will you not be moved when, when, when that raft is moving and everything is trying to throw you off that raft to get you to be discouraged? Think of the water as discouragement. Think of the water as disappointment. Think of the water as depression and that you're standing on there and then things are, it's waving and it's going like this and things are pushing you off and the financial pressure here, the marriage pressure here, that over there and all, you, all it wants you to do is get distracted. But one thing you're doing is you're standing and you're not standing by your own might or your own strength. You're standing by what? The spirit of the Lord, amen? amen? And so what you're doing is you're standing and it says you're withstanding. And having done all the stand, what do you do? Keep on standing, therefore, then what? Put on the whole armor of God. And I want you to see this in uh, Ephesians 6, 16. I want this to be the foundation of what I'm about to say. So standing is the key. Verse 16, Jackson, the next one. It says, above all, above all what? Above putting on all the armor of God, the, the, the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to what? Quench all the fiery darts. What I love about this is when you have the shield of faith, it doesn't stop the darts from being thrown. That's extremely important because the enemy, and go to that next picture, Jackson, this is the enemy, this is the faith. Yes, we're ready, we have the sword, which is the word of God, but the enemy is coming and he is saying, you know what? What dart I'm gonna throw at the end of the day? Discouragement, watch this. And he knows exactly how to discourage you and he's just gonna get you with one little bad news about your child or one little bad news about your marriage or something bad about your job and he's gonna throw that dart of, accusa or that dart of discouragement. And that dart's gonna come and if your shield's not up, of course you have the breastplate of righteousness, but if that's not on, man, that thing's gonna hit you and it's gonna hurt and it's gonna define you as what? I am so discouraged. Why? Because discouraged was the dart that he threw. How about this? He's gonna throw doubt and this is what me and Christy were talking about. He's gonna throw doubt at you. And where does the devil go? He goes after the mind. And he's gonna throw the, doubt, the, the, the dart and if you don't have your shield up and you're not on that, that, that raft and just trying to stand and do everything, if you're like, you know, I'm just too tired. I can't take this anymore. Just, you know what, whatever it is, we're gonna go, man, I, I just, I'm just doubting God so much. And just like God said in the, 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 the garden with Adam and Eve, he's gonna ask you the same question. Who told you that? Who told you you weren't believing God? Oh, no, no, well, if I was believing God, then why would I be shaking so much? Why would it be so uncomfortable and why would it be so waving? Because you're believing God. Stand. And having done all to stand, keep standing. Keep believing. Keep receiving. Why? Because he is just gonna throw another one. Another one he throws is accusation. He's the accuser of the what? Brethren, you're no good. You're not worthy. You're not qualified to do what God's called you to do. You've actually disqualified yourself. And he'll throw one dart after another, one dart after another. Keep the shield of faith up. What is faith? Responding to what? God said and to what Jesus did. So how do I put that shield up? Accusation. Justin, you'll never be who God called you to be. I put the shield of faith up and I say, you know what? I respond to a different voice. God said he's already qualified me. He said he's already accepted me in the beloved and he placed me in Christ and he sees no fault or defect in me. That's what I believe. And you know what Jesus did for me? He secured a place with the Father so I'm not trying to earn my love with God. I'm actually responding to my Father's love. So I put it up. That dart now does not have any ability to penetrate me because the enemy. And so no longer am I trying to fight this guy. I'm just gonna keep my shield up. And he throws discouragement. He throws depression. Man, I don't know what dart the enemy's throwing at you. But put your shield up. 
Find out what God said about the situation to say, you know what? I'm staying on the raft. I'm standing on the raft and I will not be moved. And anytime I find myself bringing my needs to God, I'm just gonna say, you know what? You're not welcome there. And I'm gonna bring myself to God. I'm gonna say, God, help me to stand. Help me to keep on believing and help me to see what you see because right now I feel like I'm losing strength on this raft, on this raft but I know that you said, let the weak say they are strong. And Father God, I know in my weakness, you are what? Strong. And let me finish off with this passage. Second Timothy Jackson. Paul wrote these, these words to Timothy in the second letter. The first one he said, fight the good fight and now he's saying, Timothy, I want you to know I fought the good fight. What he's, what, he's, what, he's, what he's declaring is it was worthy of a fight to fight. Every time I got beaten by rods, every time I got stoned almost to the point of death, the shipwreck, the nature of my, my relationship with God, everything was worth it because it was a good fight. I stood. I wasn't moved by what people said. I wasn't moved by what I went through. I continued to believe the goodness of God. I continued to believe that God is going to heal my daughter. I continued to believe I'm not going to settle. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept what? the faith. I kept responding to what God said. I kept responding to what Jesus did. And Timothy, I'm letting you know I'm leaving the earth, but keep on fighting, my little man. Why? Because it's worth it every step of the way to stand in what God has said that you can. Amen? Would you please stand with me? There's two specific things that the Lord wants me to pray for, and they just came to my mind. Discouragement and offense. Those are two darts that he just throws, and they get more believers than almost anything I've ever watched. Discouragement because of just, man, life is hard. I get it. I totally get it. Man, there are moments when discouragement is all over my mind. And the dart of offense, which is, I have a right to be hurt by what they did to me. And so my life now revolves around that hurt because they did that to me and I have a right to be hurt by them. And so if that's you in this room today, we're gonna sing one final song and all I'm gonna ask you to do is to respond, is to bring those very things and say, God, these are yours. I have no right to offense and I have no right to discouragement. These are not my rights. Think about that. We have justification while we're discouraged, but we have no right to it. And so bring it to God and say, I have no right to this thing, so I give you my discouragement and I give you my offense. And I thank you for healing me from both. So Father, we just take a moment right now and just allow your presence to speak to us, your spirit. And I pray for those two very things, Father God. That those who are discouraged in this room, that you would encourage them by giving them a new perspective. And so we just let, let it go. We give you the discouragement that is not ours. And the offense, Father God, that feels so deep and so justified to be like, you know what? How could they do that to me? Father, we release those people 
They owe us nothing. They owe us no apology. They owe us nothing in return. We release them from any debt that they owe us. And Father God, we give up the hurt and the pain so that you could heal us properly. And we bless your mighty name today. And we worship you as we sing this final song. May your presence fill us so that we can go out in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody.